Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. This week, we have a Q&A episode with Father Jeff in which he answers this listener-submitted question. Do you have any recommendations of how to talk to our children about the rainbow marketing in all the stores, in our public library, and really all over the place during the month of June? Here's what he has to say. What do we do about the rainbow? Last year in this month, I was teaching a class to some uh, housewives and grandmothers, and this question came up, and I was, I was surprised in a good way about the responses that I was getting from the students. And you know, one student in particular said, we can't let them take the rainbow from us. And it is important to remember that the rainbow, for example, the rainbow is the sign of the covenant with Noah. In the book of Ezekiel, <clears throat> Ezekiel mentions how, well, look at the rainbow, right? Looking at the rainbow is a way by which look upon the rainbow and bless him that made it. It is very beautiful in its brightness. It encompasses the heaven about with the circle of its glory. The hands of the Most High have displayed it. Right? The rainbow is one of those beautiful signs and symbols that are part of creation. And as we know, signs and symbols rule the world. And part of the difficulty, of course, of dealing with the rainbow is that just as anything in creation, men can take something that is beautiful, something that is good, something that is created by God to help us approach God and love him. And they can corrupt it for their own purposes, for power. And so I think... We can't, obviously, we can't let them, actually, the rainbow also, when, when in the book of the Apocalypse, when Christ, is, when Christ shows himself in the book of the Apocalypse, around his face, there's a bright rainbow that shines. And so the rainbow is something that we cannot let the enemies of Christ, the enemies of creation, the, or maybe not the enemy, maybe we don't want to call them enemies, but those who maybe do not fully understand creation, to use it. Right for purposes that are really not intended or unintended as part of creation. I think the second point is that we have to distinguish, I think it's, a, well, we always have to distinguish between the cultural efforts, right, to, to oppose the misappropriation of the rainbow that can be made in various places, or the efforts that we make in the court of public opinion in order to not only go against those who are promoting a certain distorted version of the rainbow and what it represents, but also towards promoting a healthy understanding of the human person, of the family, and also ultimately of how the rainbow is something that's beautiful in creation that can lead us to God. So we need to distinguish between these cultural efforts and then also how we deal with this in the context of our families and I think in the context of the family, everyone's a little bit different. Everybody has different circumstances. We have children at different ages. But I think based on what I've said so far, no matter how we deal with the rainbow based on the age of our children and what we think is appropriate, I think we can see that going out and just as with many steps, with so many things in the family, it's, I think it's important that parents, especially in these kinds of matters, they have an openness a willingness to basically say, let's, let's study the situation, right? Let's find out 
What does the rainbow mean? What does it mean in scripture? What does it mean in creation? Right? How can, it, how can something that's beautiful in creation, how can it lead us to God? But also, how men can, and again, this obviously is dependent upon the age and the intellectual ability of the children, but how men can distort you know, the good things of creation, bending it to their own purpose, bending it perhaps to not ask questions that uh, they should ask about themselves, about sin, about our inclinations, right? about how we govern our inclinations so as to do what is good. These are all questions that are worth asking. And then we can also get into some deeper questions like, well, as I was saying earlier, signs and symbols rule the world. <laughs> and men have known this, again, going back to ancient civilization. We could just, we could point to the ancient world, how Christians would fight, not, not fight, but fight in a good way over using healthy signs and symbols, get the, getting them into public life so as to help people think about God and who he is and what he really is as opposed to what the sophists of this world make him out to be. But also you can see this going through the Renaissance in the 1820s and 1830s in Europe. It's a fascinating time because, well, during that time, there were many movements that, that began that were anti-Christian in various ways. And they saw the importance, for example, of flags, flags as, as a way of representing some of their ideas. And oftentimes these flags they, they knew that by developing these flags, they were developing also signs and symbols that were very close to or would maybe even look like certain Christian images. But they were, of course, creating these, these flags as a kind of deception, as a kind of masquerade, as a kind of leading people away from real Christian ideas. And we, so, in other words, I think we see that, in, especially in Western civilization in the 19th and 20th century, but in all civilizations, there are these tensions over, well, what signs and symbols are part of public life? And how will those signs and what do those signs and symbols mean? What do they point to? And this is, this is why the use of signs and symbols and then speaking about them is very good. It's very important. It's a very important way that children, uh, young, this way that we all develop by applying reason to understand, right, the signs that we're seeing around us in order to learn from what's, learn from what's around us. Is, is this being good used for good or ill purposes? And I think another element of this could also be just studying, you know, the history of these movements. You can study the history of this movement, again, going back to the 1820s and 30s, some of the first uh, philosophical proponents of those who are behind the rainbow were already expostulating their ideas, trying to circulate them as a kind of radical understanding of the human person as being created by himself, as also a kind of radical understanding of rights, as being rights being, well, any inclination that someone has should be considered a right that the state has a duty to respect. But then also you could go into the modern, some of these modern movements, going back to, for example, Magnus Hirschfeld in the 18, 1920s and 1930s, the whole movement of the sexual revolution. There's many good books out there that are written along these lines. And how basically those who were promoting the sexual revolution, they, they, it, got, it picked up steam in 1968, 1969, 1971, 72. The beginnings of the homosexual movement were actually in 1972. Many of the things that we're seeing now, they are the result of decades of cultural effort. 
centuries of cultural and intellectual and political effort. <clears throat> and again, I think we were, we were also saying this earlier that sometimes there, we have, there has to be pushback in the, what we call the court of public opinion in social life. And I think we're already we're seeing this year that there is, there is some of that going on. People are not buying, buying uh, clothing from stores that are promoting too explicitly this ideology. Right? Sports teams are having trouble because they are pushing this ideology too hard. Uh, one of the major sports associations in this country just was trying to put this flag in its logo for this month, but there was such pushback among the players that well, they removed the they removed the the rainbow from the from the logo of the sport. There's a website, there's a, a, a podcast called Geeks and Gamers. It's, it's young people, basically. And one of the themes that frequently comes up in this, in this podcast and other ones that, among young people is that, you know, they really would like to see movies, products, and whatnot without all of the ideological agenda that oftentimes seems to be foisted into these movies. And so there is, a, there is also an element of voting with your feet, voting with your dollars, boycotting, in right moments, businesses, corporations, other associations that are promoting this activity in inappropriate ways, or the misuse of signs and symbols, we might say. And then, of course, right, this is also, there's a political effort here of becoming savvy in our knowledge of the political process, and also based on our talents, based on our interests, and whatnot, but also becoming involved in the political process, becoming involved in school boards, city governments, and local levels especially, right? Where we can have a say or intervening where we, where we can if we're not in a position, but intervening and letting the lo especially local politicians know uh, what, our, what we think would be a healthier, a healthier situation. I think one of the interesting signs of the, of the times too is that, and this will be the last point, that there are people both on the political left and on the political right that could disagree about a lot of things, but one of the things that they can agree on is that these kind, this kind of promotion, this promote, promotion of this kind of activity through these signs and symbols, especially to children, is uh, something that we can all unite under to, uh, well, to keep it out of the public square in that way so that children can be introduced to these topics we all can be, we can introduce our children to these topics when they're mature and able to understand them.